Hi, I'm Raul Midon, and what we are doing is making sound. Yes, we are, and we're into it. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody. It's Making Sound with Jan Close, episode 97. And my guest is none other than the illustrious guitarist, songwriter, singer, engineer, producer, and just all around super cool guy, Raul Midon is here. I'm so happy you're here. How are you, man? Oh, thank you. Very good. Very good. Thank you. It's uh, and, it, uh, and I loved, I loved listening to your record. It's very oh, well done. Oh God! Also. Okay, you're gonna make my face face go red. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I'm just, I'm just. Thank you for saying that. You know, I mean, we're in the middle of of Grammy voting, and I know, yes. um, I know you're also in the in the recording academy. It's my first year, by the way. Oh wow! And uh, tomorrow's the last day of voting. It's uh, right. October nineteenth here, as we as we're recording this this um this episode of of making sound and but i'm really excited that you're here and that i you know i've been a fan of yours uh, since since uh state of mind yes came out mm. in 2005 right and i discovered your playing and you had stevie wonder as a guest on the record and jason yeah. mraz and arif martin signed you and he'd never yeah. signed anyone <laughs> I was and, the I think I was the first person he ever signed or one of the first for sure. Which is so cool because I mean the guy's a legend and then right. of course his son is Joe Martin who I know and his sister Julie Martin did the artwork yeah. or did the photography for my the first full length album I recorded in New York in 2007 called Reverie. So there there were all these connections and I just you know I've been such a fan of your of your playing and and uh, so you know when you just said that that means a lot I really appreciate it. Where are you calling in from? I'm in uh, my my home in Maryland now. In 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 Maryland where yeah. where in Maryland are you? Um between Baltimore and Washington DC. Very cool. I'm, I'm in my studio actually. Oh nice. Um, so you, uh, this is a very interesting story. And first of all, uh, welcome everybody. Uh, thanks for for tuning in to uh, to Making Sound. And uh, we are um, nearing episode one hundred. And I couldn't be happier that Raul made the first one hundred because you know it's kind of cool that I, I've got I got to talk to some really cool people. And um, what's really interesting about you is that you built this home studio so that you can work it you're blind right and you're able to engineer sessions and record yourself without anyone being there yeah is that for the is most that true? part every now for and the then most i part. have to call tech support <laughs> or something but yes that's true so that's i think that's just amazing you know you're you're uh, you're a very interesting guy you're originally from new mexico is that is that right yes that's right yeah yeah, yeah. And then you you were a you were a session singer for many years. Yes, and in South little, Florida, yeah, in South Florida, and you worked with Shakira and yes. like an endless amount of, of people. And then went out worked and with Herbie own, Hancock and worked with uh, drop some names, man. Come on, <laughs> Marcus Miller, <laughs> yeah, like amazing people. Um, and I just listened um, to to your uh, your brand new album. Well, it came out in twenty twenty two, but it's in the it's also in the uh, in the running for uh, for a nomination. Um, this well, you year. listen to the guitar album, right? I'm listening to Eclectic Adventures. Eclectic Adventures. Yeah. It's killer, dude. Oh, thank you. Killer. Yeah, that was really beautiful playing. 
that's a complete, I mean, complete, it's a departure, you know, from my normal vocal songwriting thing. Um, I always wanted to do an album of, you know, guitar compositions, original guitar compositions. And the pandemic sort of, you know, gave all of us an excuse to do stuff that we wanted to do, but never had time. Mm -hmm. That's kind of thing. Yeah. And um, so I just started calling people up and saying, Hey, what do you think? And, you know, the, the process was I would call them up. And when they said, yes, I would spend, you know, maybe a half a day or more and, and all the people that I called, I knew they're playing already, but I would spend like a half a day really getting deep into their playing and listening to their body of work and different, um, you know, times in their body of work and just get a sense of, you know, their identity as a player. And then I would write a tune yeah. for them and say, Hey, you know, uh, let me, let me send you this. And, and it was very, uh, um hands off production i would say <laughs> i didn't mm-hmm. tell them what to play or anything i just told them this is where your solo is you know here's the melody mm-hmm. and you know do your thing you know is is that something was it difficult to make that kind of a switch or was it was it even though it's something you'd wanted to do was it was it weird doing that like did you what what were the it challenges was, it that was, you ran you know, into to 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 depend solely on your playing yeah and, um, you know, some of the people that I worked with are just incredible guitar players. So I did a lot of practicing. <laughs> you, know, you did a lot of practicing? I did a lot of practicing when That's I great. realized I was going to, you know, do a duet with Mike Stern. You know, yeah. I wrote this I love crazy guy. tune, Blues for Mike, with some really crazy changes. It took me a couple of weeks to play over them myself. <laughs> Yes. And it's, it's so, you know, it's, it's left channel, right channel. Yeah. And I wanted that. Now, there's a couple of people that kind of told me they weren't into that after I made the album, but I really wanted, I like that seventies thing, you know, like on, on the mm-hmm. Paco de Lucia, yeah, Aldi Miola, John McLaughlin, you could, yeah. you could tell who was playing and they were yeah. panned in a certain way. I really liked that. So that's that I did that very much um, intentionally. I uh, I saw one of those projects. I think it was oh my god, the Rite of Strings. Do you remember this album with Jean Luc Ponty, Aldi Miola, and oh god, I'm gonna blank on the on the on on the bassist. Oh, this is embarrassing. But I saw them in Hamburg in Germany at the at the Musikhalle mm-hmm. um, years ago, and the they engineered it that way as well. And like Friday night in San Francisco is famous for that, you know, absolutely. You that, well, that, that's the, that's the album yeah. that I listened to the first album that I listened to, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, mm. that's how long ago it was. So this and, is good because this gives me, this opens up my, my favorite question, which is who, who was it for you that where you said, this is, this is what I want to do. This is my calling. Um, it started out with, with flamenco, strangely enough, because there was a lot of, um, my, my father owned a flamenco restaurant in New Mexico. And so I started listening to a lot of flamenco and, and to be honest, 
the first guy that I really listened to a lot was Savicas, you know, back in the day, before Paco de Lucia, before, you know, the, and then, um, and then I started getting into, you know, the jazz um, players, the Pat Metheny's and the John Schofield and, yeah. I don't know, Larry Coriel and Pat Martino, you know, and all that for guitar. But also, I was really influenced by Tuck Andrus. Um, who, Tuck who and Patty. He had just this, this, this really unique way of playing mm -hmm. um, and playing rhythm and, and playing kind of inner lines in that rhythm. That was a big influence on me. Um, a company. Can you, can you spell that that uh, last name? Tuck? I don't know how to spell it. I'll be it, really honest. With okay, Tux so T. -U -K. Being blind, I don't I have no freaking idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, my, I mean, I have to check this out because that's a that's a name I'm not familiar with. You know, Tuck and Patty. You know, mm -hmm. Tuck and Patty is. Right? Do I? I don't think I do. Oh my goodness! Well, <laughs> you have Tuck and Patty is you know this duo, uh, husband and wife duo. He plays guitar, she sings. They've been, I don't know. By now, it's probably 30 years or more they've been playing together. And they they got, I guess the 90s was when they sort of broke out and became sort of national, international. And it's just them. And they use headphones. And she sings and he plays. And he plays very intricate stuff. And his way of playing rhythm was a big influence on me. So what I find, another thing I find very interesting about you is that you released a few albums before State of Mind. Oh, uh, yes. Which you I didn't know. I heard those. <laughs> which, I, which I didn't know. And and you, you know, worked yourself up through the ranks to, to get with these people like Stevie and, uh, you know, Arif. And, I mean, Larry Klein. You worked with him yeah. on it. He produced one. So, I mean, like, I, I really, it's such a, it's a testament to this whole, you know, overnight success BS that uh, doesn't exist. That doesn't really happen. Doesn't exist people. ever. And, uh, well, it doesn't happen to most, I don't know if it happens to anybody, you know, I mean, like even Michael Jackson, for God's sake, you know, I mean, like he was five. He had a, he had a head start on all of us. Yeah. Well, but, Steve uh, was nine when he got signed. I mean, yeah. yeah, so there you go. It still took four years. Damn, man, that's so long. You <laughs> yeah. could have quit so many times. <laughs> you could have quit. Um, uh, yeah, so I, you know, it's it's really cool. I want to I want to kind of, um, I mean, over time, I mean, years of gigs and singing and and getting on sessions and and working with people and showing up and uh, you know getting to that to that place where you're you're always giving 100 110 percent and and something happens and you're in the right place at the right time and career changes and all of a sudden that those doors start to open and things start to click and and then you just stay on it you know like i, I talk about this a lot like how how long it can take to to have that kind of success but once you get on that train you really can't get off you really yeah, can't. I mean, honestly, for me, um, you know, I was doing these sessions in Florida for a good 10 years yeah. or more. Um, you know, I was doing I was doing commercials. I was singing background vocals for hundreds and hundreds of records. And toward the end, 
the work started to dry up because of um I think that was the that was this kind of Latin boom craze whatever you want to call it in the 90s and we're talking miami right exactly mm-hmm. and you know everybody was doing uh bilingual albums and so there was a lot of work for us in in uh you know it was the four of us that like sang on everything mm-hmm. and um but to be to be honest uh toward the end i started to kind of you know while i was doing all this i was you know writing songs and you know, I would show up to a, a gig. I would get a gig at like a, a restaurant. It was a lot of background music type of gigs in, in Miami. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I would always play covers. And if I kept the gig for more than, you know, three or four weeks, um, I would start to, you know, rehearse my originals with the yeah. band and slowly start sneaking them in. Yeah. Um, in, in amongst the covers so that I could, you know, sort of play them, but not have the owner be too mad because I didn't play, you know, whatever, um, tune he recognized, you know, Georgia or let's stay together or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, I played a lot of James Taylor tunes, stuff like that. So when did you, do you feel like you had to work up the confidence to say, I want to be a recording artist and do my own music? Like, yeah, what how, I was going to say, that? yeah. that's what I was going to say when, when you said that. It, it, for me, it was a very conscious, I mean, I moved to New York after having done all this stuff, after being in Shakira's band. Um, I, you know, with my wife, who I couldn't have done it without, moved to New York in my 30s as a blind person. And I didn't have, like, I didn't move to New York with a deal or anything. By the way, thank you, Kathleen, for setting this up. Yes. (laughs) I just want to tell her thank you. And and she really, you know, helps me a great deal in in all kinds of ways. Um, And, um, but, but it wasn't like a luck thing. Like, I feel like I put myself in the position by moving to Manhattan. I got a... I, I was doing the songwriter and around things in Miami that Warner Chapel was doing. And I would show up to these things. And, and of course, a lot of times those things, they would have songwriters and songwriters are not necessarily sometimes, but not always the greatest performers. And I was both. So I remember um, after 9-11, they had a... They had a fundraiser slash songwriters in the round with the Red Cross and all, all that. And there was like 25 people on this thing. And there was a lot of really bad songs about 9-11. I'm, I mean, like, the sky was on fire. I mean, just, just really just cheesy, bad songs. And I was, <laughs> I was the last performer on the thing, on the night. And after I got off the stage, um, we sat at the table with Warner and um, the the one of the heads of Warner. And this was Warner Miami said, oh, he's fantastic, isn't he? And my wife said, yeah, if he's so great, why don't you sign him? <laughs> what my wife said. <laughs> and uh, the next day we got a, a you know, a, a proposal to sign. 
uh, with Warner Chapel, which gave me a nice little chunk of money, which I used to move to New York. And um, everybody said, you're crazy, because remember, at that time, there was the anthrax scare going on. Uh, there was a lot of yeah, stuff. It was right, right after right, 9-11. Right. New York was a scary place. Yeah. That's and what I moved like, here too. Yeah, well, so, and you're yeah. and everybody's like, "You're crazy." You know, what yeah, are you doing? Yeah. You, you're you're making a living here. Why are you doing this? You know, and I was thirty-four or something like that. I wasn't mm -hmm. in my twenties, which I don't recommend, by the way. I really don't. It is brutal. It was brutal then, um, yes. but you know, moving to New York put me in the position, yeah, to 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 you know make a a name for myself as an artist, because if I would have stayed in Miami, it, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Do you sure. think you would do it again today? Man. You know, I think I would have to be that age again and I would have to be that. And obviously the business is so different today. Yeah. Right. It's so different than it was back then, you know, because there wasn't the, um, internet the 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 tons of platforms and the social media it was still about record labels it was still about getting signed it was still mm -hmm. about the gatekeepers you know it was different it was so different yeah. yeah uh it is it is so different and um it, you know that's it's an interesting thought uh to to you know for me too if i think about like would i do it again and my answer would probably be yes, because, you know, <laughs> I'm crazy like that. But for me, it was it was Broadway that brought me here. You know, I right. I, I came here as a singer actor and I thought oh, you know, a career as a songwriter and singer is going to I mean, as a singer. Yeah, I could see that. But as a songwriter, would, which is what I wanted in my heart, you know, and then eventually pursued and did. Um, but it was much it was easy for me to get work as a singer, actor, um, performer and so forth. Um, so there was an avenue and I think those avenues still exist, but again, those also have changed, you know, and I want to ask you about this. So you, you're talking mm. about the gatekeepers and the labels, and this is very interesting to talk to you about because you've run into probably everybody, uh, you know, uh, over the years. And um, do you think that, that now, like who are the gatekeepers now from, you know, I'll tell you my opinion and you tell me what you think. I think it's, it really is people, um, that sit behind a computer and that know how to get you on playlists and that know right. how to book you, you know, booking agents are the new labels, you know, because Still live music very is important, right? Very important. Um, um, I mean, I, I got signed to Gallo uh, in 2018, you know, it took me 20 years to get signed, <laughs> right. but uh, it, you know, they, when they picked up my record in tandem, it's a live wasn't, you know, I licensed it, which was through sheer, you know, Gallo, sheer sound. And uh, but it it did still have a major impact and it changed my career. You know, it did still right. make a difference. That was in 2018. So, uh, but I don't know. Do you do you think that now there's so much that we can do ourselves? And that that was like that when we were, you know, when I was starting out. I felt like the internet was already everything that all was already is, happening. Yeah, there's so much you can do yourself, but everybody is doing it, and there's mm -hmm. the noise now yeah. is just. You know, like, how does somebody get discovered or get, you know, get through that noise that's a new person today? Um, you know, I mean, I had a reef. Yeah. 
you know, when Because a Reef made my record, that was a, a lot of press and, you know, people came, who's the latest? And especially because a Reef had, had, was producer of the year, the year before with Nora Jones. I mean, there was all of this hype yeah. around a Reef. It was one of the last million, 30 million selling records before, you know, everything hit the fan with record sales. <laughs> so yeah. whatever a Reef was doing, you know, people were paying attention to. And I got a, I benefited from that. Mm-hmm. Do you think those people are still around now? And do you know who they are? Like, I are we, who who are they? Is it is it going to be the artists of the future? That I mean, will it be the Taylor Swifts that that take someone else under their wing? You know, I, I will it be I, you? I, I, you I don't want to. I don't want to be too much of a downer, but I, I think you know there was a space for big labels that they had a space for non mega pop stars, you know, like they, all the labels had classical um, departments and jazz departments and, mm-hmm. and it, it's not like that anymore. You know, like if you're going to be um, a guy that does, you know, that has an audience of, you know, 500 people that show up or a thousand people or, or less even, it's is it really worth it to sign a record deal when you know you can publish it yourself and do it yourself and yeah. you know what are they, what are they going to really give you they're not going to give you a major marketing budget you know yeah and I you mean, too that's the decision i made i mean i made a decision because i'm doing all the work i want to own my masters so I made a decision to say the hell with, you know, a label that wants me to have them own the masters that won't even give me a 50% stake in it. I'm not doing it anymore. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I did. You know, I did a licensing deal and I own the master and it's a, you know, 50, 50. Uh, but I think there's a lot more of that now. And I think the labels are, you're right. Everything is smaller and uh, the budgets, budgets have gone uh, are tiny and everyone is expected to do the work together. You know, there's a there's a sense of you know collaboration. To, for me, was is was key. You know, to to yeah, getting and it. Yeah, I, I think you know that's it. And and I tend to be a do it all myself. And I <laughs> I think that that's not necessarily um, the the best thing sometimes uh, yeah. because you know it's. Um, it takes a team, you know, to make it work. Um, do you tour in, you tour a lot in Europe? I look, I was I looking do, at yeah. your schedule. Yeah. And, and, uh, Eastern Europe as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, just in Poland and Lithuania. Yeah. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how a guy from New Mexico makes his way through Miami to New York to Eastern Europe and, spends his life on the road like that i mean i think um i sort of made a decision um and and i was i was very fortunate to have somebody um in a reef and joe also mm-hmm. who said what you're doing is what we want to record we don't want to change what you're doing we want to record we want to capture what you're doing and it gave me the confidence to say 
you know, I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to take what I do, what's unique about what I do and, and run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what I was told. You know, I was working all through the nineties with all kinds of producers and whenever they heard w- what I did, it would always be, man, that's really great. But you know, if we work together, we'd have to change this. <laughs> we'd have to do that. And you know, this is what's uh-huh. playing on the radio now and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know? So, and, and Arif never did that mm-hmm. with me, yeah. you know? So do you self-produce now mostly? I do. Yeah. yeah. It's I mean, great I, to... I do collaborate, collaborative production. I have a record coming out next year with, with Vince Mendoza and we're sort of co-producers on, a, I, I did a record with WDR, which I'm sure, you know, um, the WDR big band, German. Yeah, of course. WDR, WDR, Westdeutscher yeah. Rundfunk. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm heading to Germany in two months. I just booked my flight because I have some shows over there. So talk, talk a little bit about it. how do you get in touch with the VDR? Uh, well, Vince, basically. Um, mm. I did a record with Vince uh, a few years ago with the with the Metropole Orchestra, which was Grammy nominated, and um, and it was kind of a crazy thing because we 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 did five days of recording there um they flew me over there they didn't pay me a cent but they flew me over there yep yeah isn't uh, it like we get we get paid to travel we play for free and i did and 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 we recorded for five days but then i said can i can i re-record the vocals and guitar in my studio because i wanted it to be perfect i didn't want it to be like a live recording um and so we did it that way. And then we mixed it. Um, literally, Vince and I and and uh, Tijeman, which is not the way you pronounce it. It's a Dutch name. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. But the, the engineer that works with the WDR, we mixed it, you know, sending files back and forth. Yeah. And the first few times we did it, I said, this is not going to work. This is so awkward. And then we just kept doing it and it kept sounding better and better. And, and the record just came out amazing. And, and it took, a, it took months, you know, cause yeah. people are busy people I'm on tour and this and that. And sometimes I was listening on my laptop and I was like, man, I, I got to at least listen on headphones. Cause this is not a, a way to listen to a mix, you know? <laughs> It's amazing that we even like consider that, you know, like that's how much things have changed. But, um, but yeah, what, so, so what is, what is your, uh, um, is this, is this something that's already, this is coming out? When is this coming out? I think in March, you know, it's up to them. I yeah. mean, I don't have a whole lot of control over, it, but we, we recorded, I recorded it in January and February. Um, we did the, the sessions uh, along with a concert at the end of last year. And, uh, it's a record of, and it's another sort of departure. It's all Spanish covers with Vince's arrangements. Mm. And it's really cool because Vince let me have some input. And some of the tunes are tunes that were really special to me as a kid. Tunes from my Argentine heritage. Um, tunes like Los Ejes de Mi Carreta by Atahualpa Yupanqui. Um, Alfonsina y el Mar, um, Violeta Parra, you know, just really, really 
good, amazing tunes with arrangements like you've never heard before because it's Vince Mendoza arranging these things in a very modern way. Yeah. You know? So you're singing and playing? I am singing and playing, although good. mostly singing. Um, I, I love your play, voice. It's, yeah. I, but I but but a lot of singing because you know they have a guitar player and it's a big band so you know <laughs> yeah. not a whole lot of need for me to play which is actually really fun I do so much playing and singing it was actually uh, uh, refreshing to not yeah. play you can lean back a little bit yeah that's nice that's nice because you do a lot of solo shows too I do yeah yeah yeah. Man, I have to come see you next time you're uh, you're coming through. I've been I've been trying to, and it just hasn't worked out schedule wise because you know I, I spend a lot of time on the road as well. Well, the, there's a my new record is coming out next year, and I, I'm sure I'll you know go through oh, yeah. New York. Uh, I I will definitely I will definitely come to that. Um, so your you again back to the the European connection. You know, I find that. Um, it's not always it's interesting because we we come to new york i did the same thing as you did like i needed to be in this place i think this is where i i can i love it you know i, I fell in love with new york city when i first came here to visit and i realized i needed to be here and i wanted to i felt like this was going to be the best place for me and and it still is i've been here for 20 years mm -hmm. and um but ironically the uh some of the successes that i've had happened in other places like germany right. like south africa um you know now i'm like working on setting up shows in brazil and you know right. like it, it's it it's very strange you know that that it happens that way and and here you know i i you know we we play the cutting room we play we play nice venues right. here right. In, in new york i know you played blue note don't you i play played Bird. Blue Note. i mean in new york i mean yeah with one with one thing or the other i've played a lot of places Everything. sometimes as an opener sometimes as a headliner but i mean i've played town hall and yeah Carnegie Hall a couple of times and nice. Um, so so and, what, but, but but also yeah. like you know like um Joe's Pub and yeah you know uh um what's that place called oh well, I played uh, one of the last shows before the bottom line closed I played Ooh, there. good for you um, I remember that place I, I went I there once like uh, the uh, what's the other place the the BB's BB Kings that's also closed <laughs> excuse me. I did play that, but uh, I'm thinking of the the, the bitter end. Oh, the bitter end! Yeah, <laughs> you know, I still uh, love that place. I just sat in there with a friend and sang there like a couple of weeks ago. Um, that's crazy uh, yeah. that it's still there. And and, they and, are, and I I loved. I used to play, and I'm really sad the pandemic shut down the jazz standard. I oh, yeah. I played there every year for three or four years in a row. And the shows were always sold out, and it was always around Christmas. It was a great gig. Yeah, and the food is bars great gone. There, by the way, it's like some of the best barbecue in New York City. Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifty-five bar is gone too. It is. I used to go uh, see Mike Stern there. Yeah, I yeah. I went and saw him there too when I lived there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so getting, getting back to my question, the, um, so, you know, you come, come to New York, but then you end up really having success elsewhere. Um, how did that, how did you make those connections at, at first? Was it also through the record, through state of mind or was it, did it, it come was later? the record. It was, uh, getting, a an agent that books internationally, 
Um, and, you know, I, I just had some sort of my first major success, I think, was in Japan. I had um, the craziest thing. State of Mind is the tune that people know me for around here mostly. But in Japan, my tune sitting in the middle it hit number two on the on the pop on the billboard charts wow, in wow. japan and it's a crazy song it's uh it uses my amateur radio call sign as the melody and and it's uh it's in it, it's a it, the melody is actually morris code which most people don't know and it's That's the melody. And I just want I just want people to know that this is something that you're known for is that you make trumpet sounds with your mouth, right. with your lips, right. and you play along to it, and so you solo and solo. Um, so just wanted to, but but point that, that was out. like a that was you know like for a, for a little hot minute there I was a pop star in Japan. That's wild. That's wild. And I mean we, like playing you know. Wow, pop star. I mean, I was playing to 2,000 people. I was playing on TV shows and a lot. You know, all this stuff. A lot. Um, are you still uh, able to tour over there now? Yeah, I mean, I was there last year. Um, I, I didn't go this year, but I probably will go next year with the new record. Um, uh, unfortunately, not to uh, the audiences that I was playing to when I had that hit, but you know uh, it's it's one of these things about this business that um you got to deal with the ups and downs of the business i guess you know um it's a crazy thing to have like a phenomenon like that and then you know you try to do it again and it it doesn't happen yeah you know? oh no i know it's so weird but like there's so much music there uh, people move on so quickly yeah um, to the next thing, you know, but the fact is, is we're dealing with songs. There are three minutes, three right. minutes, four minutes. Right. And then there's another song and there will be another song and another and another. When you consider how many songs are being pushed to streaming platforms daily now. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. The tens of thousands. I mean, the, the noise, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like the noise that is there now. And, you know, I mean, I have to say it. You know, music has been devalued by the fact that it's free. You know, we used to have to go to a record store to buy something, or maybe we would go to somebody's house and record on a cassette, you know, somebody's record that we really loved. But but we had to buy it. We don't anymore. We just don't. Anything you want, you can get on YouTube. Anything. Absolutely anything for nothing. And that really, and you have to watch an ad. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's um, it has wreaked havoc on our business, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but look, you know, this is there is no going back, right. and this is the way it is, and you have to make the best of it. And I feel like you are, you know, you you're doing what needs to be done, which is you got to keep writing, you got to keep releasing music. And it's it yes, it's an uphill battle. You gotta you gotta swim upstream, uh, but you know 
what's the alternative? Right. You know, it's like this is in your bones. You know, when I watch you play, when I hear you play, it's it's real, you know. Um, so so some of the some of the um, people that you've worked with, um, I, I have to bring up Stevie right. because, I mean, you know, he is one of the greats, if not the great test, you know, some would say. Um, mm-hmm. I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about what does it what does it feel like to to uh, what did it feel like when you worked with him? Are you guys still in touch? It was surreal um, because yeah. uh, what happened was, you know, Arif knew Stevie uh, had worked with him. A few Can you times. T- talk a little bit for for those of us uh, out there, for those people out there right now listening that don't know who Arif Martin is? Because the guy has a fantastic history. And Oh, I mean, the, the yeah. resume, Arif is literally came from Turkey. Quincy Jones um, bought him from, brought him from Turkey. He was, he was very interested in arranging. He came over from Turkey and, and taught at Berkeley for a while. And um, I think actually his wife, Latifa told him, you know, you can't, you didn't come here to teach, you know, uh, you gotta, you know, so we moved to New York and, and I think he was like a, like an assistant, like made coffee or something at Atlantic. Yeah. Um, And then there was a, and I, I, I don't have the complete details, but there was some kind of a party that Atlantic was doing and he wrote the arrangements for the band and somebody, I, I guess, Ahmet, uh, Ahmet Erdogan, Ahmet Erdogan said, mm-hmm. who wrote these arrangements? And they said, Oh, Arif wrote them. Oh my God, really? And that, and then he got into the studio and started to produce. And I mean, the, He's produced Hollow Notes. He's produced Phil Collins, uh, for Phil Collins' first number one record. He produced Shaka Khan, uh, The Rascals. Um, I just had Felix Cavalier on last, last week. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, uh, he started to produce, you know, these pop records that were hugely successful. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and the way he knew Stevie, well, many ways, but he, you know, Stevie played on that I Feel For You, that Shaka tune. Um, so he knew Stevie. So he um, he told me to write a letter to Stevie Wonder in Braille, and I wrote him a letter, and of course he called he called Stevie, and, and that's how Stevie ended up on my record, you know, because yeah. of a reef. That's that's so cool that you wrote the, the letter in Braille. That's I did, wild. yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, Per his instructions. Yeah. That's a great story. I that's a great story. So so how does that work? What is the process of writing a letter from one blind person to another? I mean, I wrote him and I don't remember what I said, but that that, you know, I said that I really I was influenced by him and I'm working with Arif and I would love if he worked on my album. And 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 to tell you the truth, I mean, this is this is crazy, but I wrote him a letter and we never heard from him. And we sort of were like, okay, you know, we called him, we wrote him a letter. He's not going to do anything. And we had done the record. It was already finished. And we were about to go to mastering. And I remember, I remember this, I I was in my apartment in Manhattan and I get a call and I think it was Joe that called me. Joe Martin. Joe Martin, a reef son and said, Hey, you have to come to the studio right now. Stevie just called and he said, he's ready to, 
to work. On <laughs> awesome. And <laughs> I remember I was, I was, a, I was in bed, you know, and, uh, and I got up and I threw on some clothes and my wife's like, you can't go looking like that to the <laughs> studio. And I said, kind of in a off the cuff, I was like, well, Stevie doesn't care what I do. <laughs> Delicious. But of course she, you know, yeah, she made she me made look sure presentable. That. And then I went to the studio and Stevie was actually not there. He was in LA. And this was, I think we had one of those ISDN connections back then. Oh my God. So Stevie was in the studio in, in, in LA. Oh my God. Probably his studio. And we were there and, and, and we did expressions of love mm. like that. And the next day we literally wow. mixed and mastered that particular Stevie's uh, part in it at the same time because we were already done mixing. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm speechless. That's a, such a great story. That's such yeah. a great story. It's um, pretty crazy. So, so he didn't, what did he go on? Like, did he, did he know, how, how did you work out the music part? Like, did, had he well, heard he you play? Apparently he had the tune. He already knew the tune. Cause okay. I mean, I, I could tell as soon as, as soon as we got into the studio and he started playing, he already knew the tune and he loved the tune. Okay. So, um, you know, we yeah. did a few takes and I don't know, we might've said, I don't think I said very much like, do this do that i think he kind of played and i was like yeah that's really cool maybe we did a couple of times through it and you know took took um maybe pasted a few takes you know a few things from different takes together and that was it yeah. you know yeah i mean he's he's such a great 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 talent um there's this wonderful story i'm sure you've you might have heard this but uh, i always think it's interesting telling it because it kind of ties into what you're what you're talking about and about being so in the moment, you know, with, with, with something and just saying, okay, I'm ready. Let's do it. And then it just happens. Um, so the story is there must be an angel by the Eurythmics. That's Stevie wonder playing harp at the end of that song. Ah. And, and they tried to, so, you know, Annie Lennox band, um, uh, a duo, um, and uh, uh, what's his name, Stuart, um, uh, I'm blanking, um, on the Eurythmics, and they're in the studio, and Stevie Wonder had agreed to come in and play, and it's they're, they're waiting for him to come in, and the night goes on, the night goes on, it's 2 a.m., it's 3 a.m., and they get a call, and like, oh, he's on his way now. <laughs> Middle of the night. Yeah. And Stevie comes in, and they they play the track and he starts playing and records the solo in one take right and goes is there anything else you need and uh Stuart's like you know uh no I don't think so I think we got it <laughs> and that's the solo that you hear at the end of there must be an angel which is one of my favorite songs by Eurythmics and Annie Lennox just sings the shit out of it yeah and, and that yep. solo just goes on and on and on. And he just talks and talks and talks, you know I mean? He just like, he just plays yeah. and it never gets boring. You know, they have to fade it out because, because it would have, you know, it would have just been yeah, a six I mean, minute song. About, I guess that year for Christmas, I was on, um, I was on, uh, 
I was at in LA at uh, a, an event that Stevie does uh, did called House Full of Toys, and he got me. It was, um, and we never rehearsed, but we played expressions of love on stage. Yeah, and it was literally like I one, two, three, four, boom, and we played it. No <laughs> rehearsal, nothing. I mean, we didn't even like go over it in the dressing room or anything. It was just like, and you know, he had played on the record, so he knew the tune and we did it and it was great. But I mean, that, that, and that was the one and only time I've ever been with Stevie, uh, uh, been on stage with Stevie Wonder. Wow. Um, that's a great story. And then the other one on that record is Jason Mraz. Yeah. Um, well, that was, he's got a new album out too. That was amazing too, because I had done a, there's a everybody that's starting out plays this place at the Kennedy Center called the Millennium Stage. And I think yeah. it's free. I think people can just come up and play and they videotape it. And I, I guess they probably still do, but they videotape it. And that videotape sort of went viral in a way, in the way of things back then. And Jason saw it and said, hey, you know, I want you to tour with me. And I ended up touring all over the country with with him, and it was a big break for me because I played for his audience, and he had a huge audience, yeah. uh, you know, even then. And so I ended up playing, you know, to these, you know, yeah, um, very young, massive audiences. Do you know Michael Bram? Was Michael Bram on that gig then? The no. drummer. No, it was, uh, I'm trying to remember. And it wasn't a band. Jason, it was called the Curbside Profits Tour. And it was Jason playing mostly solo mm -hmm. with a percussionist. And I can't remember her okay. name, but she was a okay. percussionist. And then there was a DJ and there was a guy from Hawaii named Makana who played like a slack key guitar and me. And yeah. that was it. That was wow. the tour. That's nice. That's nice to keep it when you can keep it small like that. Yeah, Michael yeah. Bram is uh, his um, drummer now, mm -hmm. I think, and he was on. He was on the show. He was on Making Sound, and super nice guy. He lives upstate. Um, you know, nicest guy. I mean, it would be so fun to do. I wish I could do one show with everybody from Making Sound. That would, you know, I need to put that together. Yeah, like do like a an anniversary special or something, and you know, have you play and everybody. That would be so cool. Um, so, so how many albums is this for you now? How many are in are you? Well, ten, um, nine or 10? Oh no, 14. 14. Jesus. Yeah. This will be 14. The, the one coming out yeah. next year, actually 15. If, if the one comes out with, when the one comes out with, um, with Vince. Mm -hmm. um, and do you, will you be on the road over there? Will you be in Germany for shows? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm oh, sure. That's exciting. I'm, I'm hoping that we do some shows in the States with a big band with that, with that record, you know, like, like a, like an LA or something that would really be great. But the problem a, is it's so expensive now. Oh, I know. To feed people, to travel, to everything. I know. Uh, it, it's just crazy, you know? Well, I mean, that's like, why, like, like the recordings that I've done with both the big band in Germany and the, and the orchestra in, in Holland, would never happen here because it just 
You can't it afford it. Be, uh, it. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, this is why I have pickup bands everywhere. You know, like I have my band here. I have my band in South Africa. I have a different band in Germany. Uh, you know, so but but it's like really the only way to do it. I mean, you you have the great and I've got off. I've gotten a, a, a away with playing solo everywhere. Yeah, because which I'm is a great. Control yeah. freak, and I would I I would it would scare me hell out of me to have a band that I get to rehearse once and then play a show. But that's you got to just find the good people, man. Yeah, um, it's it's hard, but once you have them, you like you can't let them go. You know, right. like the band that I have in South Africa, these guys are like top level people, and they they're on uh, they're the house band on their version of American Idol. Mm-hmm. in south yeah. africa it's called idols sa and uh you know they're they're badasses and yeah. you know um i mean a couple of them have been here on the show and they, i when i was on tour there in, in in april we did a show in johannesburg and you know i mean like it's also like there's a connection to the record and they've played played on the album absolutely so they know so they know them they know the stuff they know the music you know it's not yeah. like a they they can kind of step into it and um uh, but yeah it's it, it is just it everything is a challenge but you just have to live that way, you know. Like I've chosen to just like, yep, this is how it is. You know, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Right. You just gotta go. You gotta go go forward. Um, how's Joe Martin? Can you tell him I said hello, please? Yeah, he's the nicest guy. Well, we made you know one of my favorite albums that I did was the one I did with Joe. Um, it's called "The World Within a World." Yeah, and um, you know, that's when I I you know, we incorporated some of the South American stuff. Joe got this incredible, these incredible players from uh from different parts of Latin America to play some of the tunes. Uh this bombo player from Argentina and this guy playing charango. It was really pretty cool. You know, you can find all those kind of players in New York. Yeah, you know. Um, can you talk a little bit about your um background? So b- both your parents are Argentinian? No, or my no. mother um, was African American, mm-hmm. and my uh, dad is Argentinian, mm-hmm. and um, it sort of is, um, I think, reflected. Uh, I, I've always loved all kinds of music, and I've always been very eclectic in my taste and in my what I like to put in the song. So I've never been like in a box, which I think is, is hard, uh, in, from an industry standpoint, but, course, um, but that's why you're around. That's what, that's what makes you special. I've never been a completely a jazz player or a blues player or a rock player or, or anything like that. It's always been kind of the mixture, the gumbo of yeah. the things that I love. Um, and you have a and, twin brother. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And is he, is he in music as well? No, he's an electrical engineer. He, he right? works at NASA. What? Yeah. Wow. Where does he live? He lives uh, very close to me, actually, here in Maryland. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And your father was a is it was a dancer. Did yeah. I get that? Yep. That's. Can you yeah, talk a little bit? He was an Argentine folk dancer, um, and he left his his house when he was seventeen, intending to come back, and never did. And danced his way to the U.S. Yeah. Got got here in like 1959. Um, was in a dance troupe, danced all over the country. Got drafted in uh, 60. 
I want to say some some sometime in the early '60s, he got drafted into the army. Barely missed going to Vietnam, um, and um, you know, ended up moving to New Mexico because he loved it. He's he's, you know, it's it's a lot of nature and mountains and open, and you know, he still lives there. Wow. Um, the, the, the connection to family is, is it something that you, that you, that's important to you? You know, do you, are you, do you talk to your family like daily? Like I, I find like, even though I'm, I'm the one that escaped, you know, all my family's in Germany and I still have some in South Africa as well, but I don't see them regularly, Yeah. you know? And as my parents are getting older, it's, it's harder to kind of keep, track of what they're doing what they're going through and um no you know, I mean, like on a day-to-day -day basis I, uh, my dad is a huge influence on me I, i can't say that i talk to him daily but i i try to talk to him you know, once a week or twice but it's you know um i don't talk to him as much as i probably should to be honest mm. I try to talk to my mom like I, you know, almost every day. But and um, I just, I just, like I said earlier, I booked my flight to, to Hamburg, and then um, on the way back, I'm actually making a stop in Amsterdam because I have a, a performance on um, NPO, their their uh, national radio program. Mm. I got booked to play on it with uh, oh, what's his name now, um, Leo Blockhuis. He has his radio show on Sundays, so I'm playing that, yeah. um, which will be fun. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I get to go maybe once or twice a year. Mo mostly it's once, you know, I'm there for the holidays, do some shows. And um, I really, I, it's, I look forward to it. You know, it, it really is, it, it's different than it used to be. It used to be like going back, kind of going, going there and like going back in time and all those memories of growing up and childhood, you know, come up and, Uh, but now it just feels like the world has changed so much and I've yes. been here for so long. I've been here for 20 years, you know, that it, it just, it feels like this is home. And, and that but is you like were born a, in Germany. I was born there. Yeah. But you know, we lived you, in, you have no accent. How did that, mm, work? how did that happen? Well, I think it probably has to do with the fact that I grew up in South Africa. So English was like my second, almost first language. But you don't because, have a South African accent either. Well, we were in Nairobi first. We lived in Kenya. And I went to an English nursery, you know, English kindergarten. So there's that. And it's then I came. Yeah, because, then I, I came. mean, I have a tour manager that's German. And we've been friends since the 90s. And mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, and he's, I mean, he's been here 30 some years. But, I, but he still has a, a German accent. Yeah. You know, he speaks perfect English. But right, right. I mean, I came here so young, you know, so English yeah. was always there. It was always a part of everything I was doing. And, and he's from and then, Hamburg. Is he? Yeah. Oh, he's, my God. He actually gotta... grew up in, in Bremen. In Bremen. Bremen. Where does he live? <laughs> Where and does he live now? huge Veda Bremen fan. Veda. Yeah. Soccer. Yeah, soccer's the thing. Where does yeah. he live now? Is he still there? He lives in Florida now. Oh, wow. but we're, we've been friends. You know, I met him in Miami, and he he goes out with me, and uh, we actually played together. He's also a drummer, so we what's, played. What's his name? Guts, 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 O E. Yep. And I said his name wrong, and for like 20 years, and I'm finally making myself say Guts, not Gertz. 
<laughs> I like that it turned into girts uh, <laughs> rather than guts. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, everything becomes longer here. We stretch everything in America. Mm. Uh, you know, Jan becomes Jan. Mm. You know? So it's, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're fluent in Spanish. Yes. No, and, I wish more languages, but Spanish. Yes. And so you also grew up bilingual like I did. Absolutely. My, um, my father, I basically didn't speak anything but Spanish with my father until I went to um, school uh, in like uh, until I was like five or six years old. I spoke nothing but Spanish with my dad. So, you know, it stuck. And then I lived in Mexico for a couple of years. Um, my dad's uh, ex-wife was an opera singer and she decided she needed to study in Mexico City. Oh, wow. So we we lived in Mexico for a couple of years. I still went to school in the States, but in the summertime, I would be living in, in Mexico, in Guanajuato. And oh, then, yeah. Uh, I was just there. I was yeah, just and there. And then in, yeah. uh, in uh, a town a very few people know about, even in Mexico, called Tepetlaustoc near Texcoco. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, is a little bit outside of Mexico City. But um, I was just so in that, San Miguel. That reinforced the Spanish. Yes. Yeah. And, and I was just in San Miguel de Allende. And I got to say, yeah, my Spanish is terrible. <laughs> and uh, I wish it was better. I really do. Even living in New York, it really should be better, but it, it, it still isn't. Well, at least you got German. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got a few, I mean, a few languages, but. But my Spanish is just is, is horrible. But anyway, um, I want to we need to wrap it up. But I wanted to quickly um, that flew by and your stories are amazing. You know, there's I think there's so much more. There's so much depth. And um, I would love it if we could keep in touch and, you know, maybe work on something together, too. I, I think would love I, that. You yeah, know, I, I really and I, I meant it when I said I tend to be a, you know, control freak and want to do everything by myself. And I it's two of us. I really want to try to get break out of that a little because i think i think it's collaboration you know always yeah. always brings something that you didn't expect you know mm-hmm. so to, to me it leads to success you know for me it did it was my collaborations that i did with 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 other writers at bmi writing camps that led me to to having a hit and and getting signed so you know i would love to work with you on something and anytime you know, like I would if love you want to send me something, an idea. I got recording here. You got recording. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. <laughs> we just said that. nothing. We got nothing to lose. Nothing right? to lose. Nothing. Um, so yeah, uh, absolutely. So we'll, we will keep in touch on that. I'll we'll, I'll make sure that I have uh, we have our, each other's contact info um, because I think this is I set this up through because we're Facebook friends, and I think I just reached out to you. Right. And I just said, hey, man, you know, love your music. Got a podcast. Want to come on it? Boom. Man, I <laughs> got to tell you, and I, I was, I really am sincere about it. I, I I had never heard of your music or anything. I mean, I put on, uh, we put on the, the album and it was. Uh, Surrender? Yeah. And it was awesome. Oh, thank you so much, man. Yeah. Look, you know, we're in, we're, it's like, I don't know. Um we 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 see each other in the scene and and it it's it's amazing how how we uh you know we miss each other and then we find each other there's always a reason for it there's always a reason absolutely Which, yeah 
So, but I want to ask you quickly about uh, Grammy voting. You know, I'm mm. I'm first time, first year. Yes. And I was listening to a lot of music today and very happy to see many of my friends and colleagues in in on the ballot um, this year, including you. Well, it's and, different now this year because of the the first round of voting used to be done in committees. And now yeah. we got to vote and there's like usually you know um if you unless you're on the unless you're on the committee you do, you you only vote when on the actual nominations you don't vote for the nominations to be nominated but this year we're voting to huh. get into the second round and wow. it's a lot of music I, i'm yeah. sure you checked it out right there's it's like crazy. a ton of stuff lot. to listen to it's, it's too much and that's already narrowed down from like 22,000 submissions oh i know <laughs> i know so it's kind of crazy actually i we started doing it yesterday and i i thought man we should have done it 10 days ago yes yeah. there's too much stuff to listen to it's, and and it's and it's not lot. fair mm -hmm. to the artists mm -hmm. to uh you know and i mean <laughs> I don't know what categories you're voting in, but there's a ton of stuff. Yeah, there is. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, you have to choose. You can only have so many categories, right. except for then everything else you can vote in, like album of the year, song of the year, and so forth, and record of the year. Um, that's like not included, but you can only pick three. Right. And then you can there you can have several votes, you know. So but I mean, in in each category, you're talking two or three hundred people yeah. or more. But imagine the amount of music that they had to listen to, whoever is doing this, to get those, you know, so it's it still feels great to be in there. Sure. You know, it like it's still kind of like, wow. Well, you know? I gotta tell like, you, the first time I got nominated, it hit me completely out of the blue. I did not expect it at all. Not in the least. I had already given up. I had done a lot of records and I never been uh, State of Mind never got nominated, which is just it's a, you know, whatever. You're gonna have and to re-record and re-release that shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I got you know, um, when I got nominated, it was it was mind-boggling, like it was it blew my mind. I did not expect it. Yeah. The second nomination, I totally expected it because it was Vince Mendoza it was the Metropole big band. I just knew that it was gonna get out. I actually said it to the president of the label I was on at the time. I, I was at the Grammy party and I said, this record is going to get nominated next year. You mark my words. And, and it, it did. did. It didn't win, but hey. Hey, no, I mean, I I had uh, one of my songs on a Grammy nominated album and it was a huge thing, you know, when that happened. It's. A, I mean, it's I was on a Grammy winning album as a singer in 2022. I was on Alex Cuba's record, which yeah. won a Grammy. Yeah. That's amazing. Do you uh, uh, do you do any other like district advocate kind of work with the Grammys? I was gone on tour when that happened, and I love to do it. Mm. I really at every single time they've had that, I've been on tour. Yeah, the where like Grammys on the Hill and all that, and I yeah, I mean, there's so many programs, and and in yeah. a way, like that to me is almost more interesting than actually the voting. And, you know, because it's just like apples and apples and oranges and oranges, you know, because there's so much talent out there, so much good music, too. And it, but it's really it's getting harder and harder to find it. Because so we just don't have those traditional, the, the, we don't have the, the, the old model is dead. 
you know it's it's gone. uh we're in a very tumultuous time in all kinds of ways not just yes music. we are yes we so, are i mean yeah. uh, I, for sure so then you, raul that's what we're going to do we're going to write a song about that man let's do it i'm totally and to be very honest with you this is the time to do it because like i'm recording my record and i'm not like normally i would be out on tour from now until the end of the year and i'm not right now so good me me neither now's the time to do it let's do it so uh, folks you you were listening to this is what i want this podcast this is what i always wanted this podcast to be it's like it just you know the audience is a fly on the wall or flies in your case people and uh we love you we love you you know we need you uh thank you for tuning in and um got a lot of responses to the show last week with uh, Felix Cavalier, or a couple of weeks ago now, with uh, Felix mm. Cavalieri being on from the Rascals. Great guy, uh, become a good friend. Uh, that was fantastic. Arif's first hit, by the way. Yeah, right. I know. Arif Martin. So good small love. world. Small world. Good loving. Yeah. Ah, great tune. Great tune. Um, yeah. So, so uh, thanks for tuning into that. And uh, definitely shout out to Felix for, uh, for sharing it with uh, his followers, which he did, which we're very grateful for. And then um, I have a couple of, why don't you actually, Raul, when you're, you're home right now, you're off the road, but what's coming up for you? Can you talk a little bit about what's coming up for you next and, and uh, how people can find you on socials? Well, my album uh, is going to be called Lost and Found. It's coming out, I believe, the 13th of March of next year. Um, my current latest album is called Eclectic Adventurist, and it's a guitar duets album. And I've got duets with Mike Stern and Romero Lobambo and Jonathan Kreisberg and Lionel Luecke and just a gaggle of world-class guitarists and i'm really proud of of the record um and uh i'm on uh, facebook i'm on x i'm on uh what's the thing instagram instagram <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would be a good song title what's the thing it's changing names yeah so i mean uh you know pretty easy to find yeah um, raul midon m-i-d-o-n folks yeah. and uh r-a-u-l and um yeah i have got a I have, it's there's so much going on right now so it's kind of hard to keep track of everything but i have a new track dropping um on the 20th which is the day that this will this episode will go live which is tomorrow friday the 20th of, of october with Tamara Day, um, South African singer and pop star, super, oh, do you super know, friend. Uh, Jonathan Butler. Yeah, that I, name rings a bell. Oh, he's he's South African. It's just I just wondered if you knew. Oh yeah, yeah yeah I do know who that is. Mm, are, yeah, you, are you? I've guys done friendly? a lot of cruises with him. I, I really? really like hanging out with him. He's cool. oh oh my god! I got to get I him on the show. I think his latest record is uh, Marcus Miller produced it. But oh yeah, Marcus. Marcus is a badass too. Yeah, um, and it's yeah. I have also t- tomorrow a jazz artist that I produced, Anne Delaney. She has heard that album is coming out tomorrow as well, the Tomorrow Day single. And then I have another um, a track coming out with DJ Kosher, also South African EDM pop artist um, and DJ that we wrote a we wrote yeah a song we didn't together. even talk about that. But my first 
thing that I did in New York was work with Louis Vega, the DJ. Oh yes, I, I saw a that. Ton of stuff with DJ before, Louis Vega before I got signed or anything. I was working with Louis doing these crazy late night gigs at like five in the morning <laughs> at this place called Club Shelter, and we were playing at all these, you know, uh, and I was playing with, all over the world with him at these like thousands and thousands of people dance things. That he, yeah. You know. Man, yeah, yeah. I mean, dive in, folks. There's a lot to to Raúl Midón, um, and uh, really get into that music and take time to listen, folks. Uh, we we know there's a lot out there, but uh, we appreciate you tuning in to this one. And I want to thank my guest Raúl Midón for being on the show. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, man. Thanks everybody for tuning in. That was episode uh, 97. Uh, we're nearing 100 of making sound down close and uh thanks everybody again we'll see you next time bye